Uh-huh. Hey guys, listen. I'm excited. This is cool. You guys are just excited to see each other and hang out. That's good. You know, normally you get to hear everybody up here and it's like all of a sudden it just gets quiet. Everybody's done like with the, hey, how are you doing? Let's do that talk. You guys, this is good. You guys are excited to see each other. You guys want to talk about each other's lives. It'll go great this morning then, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it's got a good message the Lord has prepared for us. So um, can you bring my volume down just a little bit? Just a little bit there. That's good. All right, guys, if you want to take out your bulletins, yours is probably blue. We'll go through that real quick. Thanks for joining us, guys. Living Stone here this morning. As you guys know, maybe visitors you don't know that our pastor is on sabbatical right now. And uh, so I had the privilege of being able to go and study through First Peter, and we're going to be hitting Second Peter pretty soon here. So it's a joy to be with you guys. I love doing this. It's awesome what God's been teaching me, and uh, yeah, it's just good. You know how it is going through the Word together, and I'll be able to grow with you guys. So look at your announcements there. We have the youth outdoor. We canceled it last week for 4th of July, which I hope you guys had a great time, even though you couldn't have fireworks. I don't know about you, but all my friends that were in nice rainy spots had all their pictures up of them playing with fireworks. There's lots of envy happening. <laughs> but it's all good. So I hope you guys had a great time. We are going to start it back up, though, for youth, for middle school, high school. We meet out here in the uh, amphitheater at 7.30. It's an awesome time. You can have some games and a snack and get to learn about Jesus and how he uh, showed us the fruits of the Spirit. So it's been an awesome study. Uh, we're doing it with two other churches. It's been great. Please bring your youth to that and you youth that haven't been coming, guys, it's a great time. We're going to have another event later on. I'll announce that. But at near the end of the summer, we're hoping to get up to some lake or go uh, hiking together uh, with Ana High Ministries. Mark your calendars, like we've been talking about. Women's retreat's coming up. Um, we need the final costs paid today, please, ladies. You probably have a text that was sent to you this morning. Um, please get that money to Vicki so she can get everything in and pay uh, Glenary and get all that settled and uh, uh, know where she's at financially for this Ruins Retreat. You guys, it's going to be an awesome blessing for you. I'm excited for you. It sounds like it's going to be a neat deal, and uh, all the hard work that Vicky's putting into it. So make sure you thank her as well, and, and the women's ministry team for putting all that together. They've been working hard even now. Um, so it should be good, because the men's retreat, usually what happens with that, we do it about a month before, because that's just how guys roll. You know, we just get everything together, and it's like, poof, God's good. He's gracious. <laughs> but women, it's good, because they, they do so much more planning. I guess it's just one of our deals. Uh, family camp. As was mentioned last week, I heard some people say, oh, really, August 9th through 12th, I'm going to be busy. So here's how it's going to work, okay? Today, if you guys cannot do this, and family camp, if you guys have not been on it, basically there's like no sign-up or whatever. It's like the Shockies are going camp and come join us. That way there's no lawsuits, okay? This is not a really church thing. <laughs> come and hang out with us. We go into the BLM right over by Johnson Village, which is by Buena Vista. I set up a big old 20-foot zip line for the kids. We have a lit-up seat for the night so they don't get hit in the head, so it's great. We have lots of fun that we have there. There's, it's just, you guys, it's a fun time to hang out, okay? So it's four days. Uh, we have a little church service up there. And uh, I had planned it for August 9th to 12th because personally on my schedule, that's what was ended up being one of the better places. But there's been a lot of people saying, I can't do that weekend. So if you guys can or can't, please let me know if you guys want to go on it, because we can either do it the 9th through the 12th that weekend, or we can do it 16th through the 19th that weekend, the one after that, okay? So let me know so we can get this scheduled, because I want you guys to be able to have time to get off work and tell them you're going to be gone for those days. It'd be great if you guys can join us. It is such a fun time up there. Uh, the place we get is, is huge. It's a basin. It's great for the kids, because they can run up. You can still see them. 
And uh, yeah, it's so good. Or they can be in whistling distance. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, if you're outside of the parents whistling, you're in trouble. That's how it works up there. All right. So join us with that. Let me know if you guys can come those days or what days work best for you uh, so I can get that for sure and nailed down uh, for next week. So, all right. This morning is the second Sunday of the month, and what we do is we have prayer in those mornings. And uh, I'm excited for that because it's such a good time we can come together. Uh, We can come to our leaders in the church and ask, you know, for healing that needs to be taking place in your life. Uh, Pray for other people in your life. Pray for things that are going on there. So, guys, take an opportunity. Take that at the end of service, to be able to pray uh, with one of the leaders in the church on what's going on in your life. It's a good thing, and uh, we'll have some time set aside afterwards and a couple songs while we do that. So as we go through this message, really listen to what the Lord's having you look at in your own life and see things that uh, He's challenging you on, things that maybe He needs you to pray for somebody else in their, own, their life. So it should be an awesome time. And uh, I'm a little worried because we have a long ways to go. I was looking at the schedule, and as much time as I have to teach, we have a a guest speaker coming in in a couple weeks, and we need to go fast. So today we're going to cram so much in here, and I'm so sorry if it just seems so rushed. Um, And if it ends up not happening, so be it. If God wants to just speak on one one individual thing, that's what we're going to do. We'll let him run it how he wants it to be done. What I'm going to try to do is get uh, start in chapter 8 of... uh, or sorry, chapter 3, verse 8 of First Peter is where we're going to start this morning. And we're going to try to make it to the end of chapter 4. I know, it's a lot. But it's good. So, First Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. Now, you guys know that uh, blessings are a great part of the Christian walk, right? It's awesome to have blessings. I mean, how many blessings have you guys enjoyed in your own lives? Just every day about, right? I mean, there's things you guys can look at if you have a positive outlook. Three? Is that what you said, John? All right. Well, I wasn't counting, but that's pretty good. <laughs> Three's better than none. <laughs> no, that's great. It's an awesome thing. It's part of our walk that we get to have. So what is a blessing? I mean, there's different things in the Bible. You know, it says we can give a blessing to somebody, right? Wish them well. Uh, there's blessings that we can get, something that changes dramatically in our lives that, for the better, the prosperity that comes in. We look at that as a blessing, Right? Um, usually, I mean, the definition, I'll just read it, a statement of goodwill and happiness, or it's the condition that fulfills both those words, goodwill and good happiness. So when we look at this blessing, it's, a lot of, it's one of those things that we desire in our lives, right? And especially if we're going through hard times. If we're going through hard times, it's like, wow, what's going on? A lot of questions come up, and we really love those times that we get to declare God and what he's doing in our lives, his goodness and his kindness to us, and there's the blessings, and it encourages others, doesn't it? And that's why Peter, when he starts going into this section, after he just put them and talked to them about submission, you know, and, and drawing yourself closer to God before that and setting yourself aside being holy, right, set apart with the Father, and he shows us through submission is one of the ways, and he gives us great examples like what we talked about two weeks ago. And then he steps in and he says, you guys, I want you guys to see this call to a blessing in your life, that there is blessing. Now, remember where we are with these people, right? They're spread out right now. Persecution's coming down on them. Now, we're going to learn in, in chapter 4 that he's even going to warn of even a harder one that's going to come because Nero's going to step up and there's going to be a huge persecution against the uh, Christians because at this time, the Romans think that kind of Christianity is a sect of the Jews. And their rules there, the law at that time, is the Jews had liberty to be able to practice their religious practices. 
They didn't know that it was completely separate of that. And that's what they start finding out, and there's this huge persecution that comes against it. And so, at this time, Peter wants to encourage these guys and talk about the blessing that comes to your life, even during trials, even during suffering, that God has this awesome plan. And so it'll be encouraging, I hope, for a lot of you guys that are going through hard times, going through these trials or suffering, that you get to see that the perspective or the mindset that you have and how you deal with the situation brings blessing to your life because that's where God is with you. That's what he wants for you. He absolutely wants blessing in your life. And now, this is not going to be a prosperity thing. That This is, you know, oh, everything's going to change your life. Come, you know, how some, it's come to Jesus because you're going to get this, you're going to get that, you're going to get this. We don't go there. There are awesome blessings, of course, that we get when we come to Jesus, but we come to Jesus because we're sinners, right? We're sinners and we absolutely have to have a Savior. And we fall before him and we know our place with him and we go before him and we're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for what you've done. And then on top of his salvation, all these blessings flow out. And it's so neat to have that. But firstly, we come to him as just that sinner in need of a savior. We don't come to him because he's going to make our mortgage get paid off or all these other things that some people have promised to others. And it's, it's a sad road they walk down because when that doesn't be, isn't fulfilled, those promises, that prosperity gospel that's been given to them, they become angry, doubtful, wondering where in the world is God because they've been promised all these things. And it, and it really causes a lot of confusion. So we're not going there, but there is blessing. So let's go ahead and start reading in verses 8 through 17. It says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this that you may inherit blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give in defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is with the will of God, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good rather than doing evil. Lord, we just want to come to you and as we come through your scriptures and we talk about this and what Peter's explaining and, and helping these other believers along as they, they walk through these trials, Lord, I pray that you would just touch people's hearts here. Um, just put your hand on their shoulder and just let them know that you're right there, Lord. Give them that comfort that you promise. It's so good when you come to us when we ask like that, Lord, that it's so perfect in your timing. And so we just thank you so much for what you pour out in our lives, your mercy that you give us, your grace that you give us, Lord. I pray that we would just learn how to do that for others. And uh, we'd really yield to your ways in our life, Lord. We'd really seek to treat others like what you've been treating us all this time, Lord. And uh, just speak your word this morning, Lord. Um, Lord, that it's, it's a blessing going through your word and getting to hear from you and what you have to say and what you challenge us on, Lord. It's so good. And so I just pray um, that you would do a work here in people's hearts um, and they could be encouraged by you, that they come back to you, they repent if there's something going on there's between you. Um, Lord, we just ask that we'd be able to be that light that you've called us to, especially to those around us. And we just pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so we get right in there. 
He goes right, uh, we've been walking through this, talking about the submission, and he says, finally. He comes to this conclusion on this part that he's talking about. Finally, or, or another way to say it is to sum it up. So he once again goes over how we should treat each other. We've already gone over that before, right? He's already talked about that. And we're going to go over it again later on, because that's an important thing with the believers, is to be able to get along. Because it's a representation of what's going on, right? It's that showing that unity that Jesus has with the Father. That's what he asked us to in John 17. He prayed that we could have that unity. It's an important deal. And so what he says right there, he says, finally, all of you be of one mind. Now, for some people, this is a really easy deal. Because basically, they walk into the situation and say, yeah, I'm all about having one mind. As long as it's my mind. (laughs) Right? Hey, if you want to come along with my mind, we're all good. We'll have unity. But what is that called? That's not unity, is it? That's uniformity, isn't it? See, the cool thing about God is that he's done something in our lives, and he's called us to a life of unity amongst each other with diversity, right? We're very different in here. A lot of us have very different qualities, different gifts that he's given us, different purposes in the church that he wants us to be doing. And then he calls us to unity. See, and that's the hard thing is that you have somebody that's very frugal, let's say, that's gifted in, in being wise with money, right? Then you have the giver. The guy, that's, he's got a gift, he just loves to give. And so these two come together, and it's really hard because the giver's like, what does it matter? It's all God's anyways. And the other's like, no, we're stewards of that stuff. What are you doing? And it ends up having this collision. And you guys know that in different places in the church, there's been stuff like that that's happened. And that's just one little example, but it ends up causing division. And why is that? Why is it? I mean, God's brought them, he's given both these different people awesome gifts, well, why wouldn't they be able to work in unity if it's the same spirit that gives the gifts, just like what it talks about in 1 Corinthians, right? They should be able to work together good. You know why? It's exactly what it says right here. We have one mind. Whose mind? Whose mind is that? Look at 1 Corinthians 2.16. If you have that, I'm going to put it up here. All right. 1 Corinthians 2.16. This is what it talks about in the mind. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, Right? We don't know his mind, but here's the thing is that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Jesus Christ. So Peter starts us off right away. Here, I want to make sure you guys are going to track with me because we're going to be talking about what it is to be in the mind of Christ, not in your mind or not what you think is best because like that verse says, who can say that they know any better than God, right? But we have this blessing that he's given us the mind of Jesus Christ if we choose to walk in that. And that's where that unity comes from when we're going to walk together. When you're focused on Jesus Christ, you can have unity. There's an awesome thing, this, this deal that we do with the youth group out here. It's coming out of a, a, a different uh, group that we call uh, Youth United. And it's all the youth pastors in town, as many as will come, along with Young Life. And what happens is we come together to purposely unite so that we can bring the kids in this community together. It does not matter what denomination or what church they're from. Because we see there's such an importance and whenever we're going to do something together, whenever we're going to start teaching, you know what we have to focus on? You focus on Jesus. You all have that in common. See, it's when you get focused on the other little things that are coming. You know, the things that separate us is, is Calvary Chapel. Well, there's some churches out there that would disagree with how we do things, and we would probably disagree with some of their stuff. But when you can focus on Jesus Christ, and he's the head, he's the one that's focused on, that one mind is there, unity happens. And unfortunately, there's a lot of division that's been caused because that one mind has been separated because of these other little doctrines that people have held so tight to that they can't even see the common Jesus Christ that they share with their other brother and sister in another denomination. And it's a sad place. Imagine if a, if a community could come together in all their churches and put that all aside. Do you 
Do you know what kind of tool that would be in God's hands? It'd be an awesome deal, wouldn't it? It'd be so powerful. But the enemy's so good at getting in there and just messing with us, isn't he? Just messing with that unity. Even here in this local church, he's just so good. Throwing these thoughts in there that aren't true, and we like to focus on that because we're the victim, right? Some of these different things that happen, and we, we don't focus on what's true. It's a hard deal. God's calling us to this one mind, and through Peter, what he says here, you all be of one mind, and then he goes on to the next one. He says, have compassion. Have compassion for one another. You know what compassion is? You guys have seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, right? The passion is also called the suffering of Christ, yeah? So compassion, come is to go with, so it's suffering alongside of. That's what true compassion is. It's not, I feel sorry for you, hope you get better. (laughs) It's, how can I come alongside you in this trouble? How can I be there to support you? How can I pray for you? Right? So many times Jesus had a place to go, didn't he? We can go through, especially Mark's a great book to look at. Jesus was always saying, well, Mark was always saying immediately, because he was always in a hurry. And they're always cruising, going places. He's telling them, okay, we're going to supposed to go over here. Jesus tells his disciples, go over to the other side. I'll meet you over there. We need to go here. We've got to go do this. I've got to do this. He always found that rest along the way, but you know what would happen as he's trying to rest and get to the next place? Somebody would come up, right? Somebody had something that he needed to deal with. And it says right there, especially Mark, it says, and he had compassion on them. He had with suffering. He, wanted, he suffered alongside them. He felt with them. That's what he's asking us to do with our brothers and sisters. He was always pouring out compassion on others and helping them deal with their problems. It's not you guys are going to solve all the problems. Sometimes we just need to listen, right? Sometimes we just need to listen. That's, that's one of the good things, guys. It's good to listen, <laughs> not solve the problems. The next one he goes on to, he says, love one another. And we know this. We hear this all the time, right? Be compassionate for one another. Love as brothers. And I like that he puts it that way. Love as brothers because here's the deal. You guys all have siblings, I think. There's a few people here that didn't grow up with siblings. But with siblings, it's fun, isn't it? (laughs) It's on. It's a war sometimes. (laughs) Right? It gets really tough sometimes when you're having to deal with them, especially when you're younger and you're getting treated unfairly because they're always getting away with everything. That's how it always went. And the thing is, is that like with my brother, we fought. I, I got a spanking every day, I'll just say it, because I was always doing something to him. <laughs> it was just counted on. I'm like, all right, line up. <laughs> Here we go. You know, it, it was one of those things that me and my brother just clashed all the time. He's four years younger than me, and we just always were butting heads, always going at each other. But I love my brother dearly. We don't do that so much anymore. We have a great relationship. It's, I wish it was closer, and it's probably because of my fault being the older brother in the younger days. But with looking at what we have here is love as a brother. Well, the thing is, see, I could, I could beat my brother up. And I could, you know, give him some stuff. But if there's anybody else to try to come and do that, you know what happens? I'm going after them, right? That's, just, that's how it goes. That's the rules. You're like, I get to mess with my siblings as much as I want, but if you touch them, it's on. It's that love. I'm not saying, hey, anybody touches anybody in here, let's go get them. <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to say. But love as brothers. So there's going to be hard times we're going to go through together. There's going to be times that you're going to not like that person because of what they've done to you. They've hurt your feelings in some way. You know what? And they, they may be completely wrong in what they did. But that doesn't mean that you exit out of love for them. That means it's family. You've got to deal with it. It needs to come back around. Let's get this right. And he's going to go on and talk about that in just a little bit. A little bit more. Be tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Show them you care. 
Go out of your way to show that you are concerned for them. Go out of your way to show that you're concerned for them. So, great example is you guys get to know people. You guys were talking with each other. Usually you ask how the week has gone. Well, usually people admit there's one thing that's been tough, that they've been going through, right? This has been hard. And, and right then, either we can pray for them, be tender-hearted towards them. Maybe there's not enough time because I get up here and say, hey, good morning. But you know what? Look for them afterwards. Hey, I'd like to talk to you more about what you're going through. That's tender-hearted, guys. That's having a heart that's just like, I want to know more. And then you pray for them. Even if you have to, we have great cell, cell phones, or, or, you know, we use them all the time. It's a great place to be able to put notes for people we need to pray for for the week. As us men go up to U-turn, and we sit down with all the guys, and we get to pray for them. We put our notes, or I don't know if all of you guys do, but put our notes down on those um, devices so that throughout the next month before we see those guys, we're going to be praying for them. And it's so cool when I come back together with those guys because then I know their name because it's in my phone. I don't remember it. <laughs> but I remember what I was supposed to be praying for as well, right? And as I've been walking through in prayer with them, it's so cool to be like, hey, how is this going on in your life right now? You know, have you seen your daughter? Because I know that was a hard thing for you last time. Have you seen her? And it's so cool because their eyes light up because you were tenderhearted. You felt for them in their pain, and they're excited to tell you, guess what happened? I didn't think I was going to get to see her, and she came all of a sudden, and I got so surprised. And you're just like, you know what happens then? You're excited with them, right? Because you just saw God answer a prayer that you've been walking through for that whole month or week or however you're doing, and you get to be excited with them that God's answered their prayer and answered your prayer. See how that brings us together? Isn't that a good thing? So be tenderhearted, guys. Care about other, other people's problems and what they're going through. And then the last one he goes on, he says, be courteous. Be tenderhearted, be courteous. Get yourself out of the way. Another one, you guys might have the translation that says be humble. It's just get yourself out of the way. Get yourself out of the way so the Lord can work through you. I think a great way to do this is that when you guys are talking with somebody and you're going through what they have and their problems in their life, is you don't try to one-up them with your problems. Right? You guys know how that goes. person says, oh, I completely broke my arm in a drill this week because it wrapped it around and snapped it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I got ran over by a car and broke both my legs this week, so <laughs> I think you need to be praying for me. That's extreme, you know, exaggerated, of course, but being careful when you guys are hearing somebody else's problem, it may trigger something in your mind to remember like, oh yeah, and you want to have compassion on them, so you're telling them about a time that you had to go through. I'm just saying it's a lot better. It makes a person not feel like you care if automatically it goes back to you. See what I'm saying? So remember, when you guys are going to go ask somebody, how, how can I pray or what can I be praying for, what's going on in your life, leave yourself out of it, Okay? And you know what? The person's probably going to ask you the same question back. And maybe they won't. But when they ask you the same question, then they want to know what's going on. They want to be able to pray for you as well. It's just one of those little things. And it's a hard thing sometimes because I, I saw in my own life, that's what I ended up doing a lot was, no, you got to hear this because this is a crazy story too. And then they tell me a crazy story and it's just like this battle back and forth between who has the craziest deal that happened in their life. God's not glorified in the end, is he? So how can the Lord work through you, you know, as you be courteous? Now, there's a thing here on this next part. It says, you know, don't return evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but uh, on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you're called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Uh, I like what Wearsby says about this. He says, as Christians, we can live on one of three levels. We can return evil for good, which is the satanic level. Return evil for good, satanic level. We can return good for good, 
and evil for evil, which is a human level, right? That's, that's usually what we see. Or we can return good for evil, which is a divine level. That's what he's asking us to do. Because where's our mind? It's in Jesus Christ, right? He's called us, he's set us apart, he's asked us to be holy as I am holy, over in the first part of the chapter, or the first part of the book, right? Now the hardest time for us is when we have, we have to love somebody that's wronged us. It's one of the hardest times we'll deal with, right? Especially if they're not apologetic about it. Then it even gets harder. Because you feel like if you're just a, giving them forgiveness, well, they're just going to do it again, and, and we'll just keep going, and they're going to keep using me, and I'm going to get smashed down. Now, within the church, when he's asking, and he's talking about this, don't return evil for evil, but what he's saying, and especially the reviling part, with us, we need to listen. As we talk to people, we need to listen to ourselves and what we're saying. As we walk in and a person asks you how their day was, you know, is it all about how they've been wronged by others? Or is it when you describe your day to somebody else, is it how you've been wronged by others? Is that a focus in your life? And it's a thing that you need to be very careful of because that's one of those things that draws out that in your life and you don't ever find any peace. Just watch yourself. Next time somebody says, how's it been going? Well, you wouldn't believe what this person did to me the other day. I'll tell you guys right away that I am super guilty of this. Because it's always a crazy story, right? How somebody treated you and you're an upstanding citizen. How dare them do that to you? Right? Don't they know who you are? (laughs) And it gets into this place where it's like you have this superiority over somebody else and the whole time Jesus is asking you just to humble yourself and submit to that. Just to be under that. Just to return good to that evil that was done for you. When we're in the church, it's a hard deal because the thing is, what we should be doing as believers is that we need to stop it right away. It's one of those things that should be short-lived. We're going to have arguments, guys. We're going to have discussions that we're not going to agree with each other. But our responsibility is to make sure that they're short-lived, that it's done, that we can work through it with each other, that we can come even to a place that maybe we both disagree, but you know what? I love you. Let's just never talk about this again. You know, work through and get through it, but this is one of those things that should not last forever. It shouldn't even last years. It should just be done and taken care of. You don't hold somebody like, okay, you've wronged me, it's on. I'm never talking to you again. That's not okay. That's what it's saying right there, that, you know, returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, that's just something we don't do, and we don't walk down that as a church, guys. So if you're doing that with somebody, you've you got to get together with them. You've got to get together with him and, and just, hey, let's, get, let's be done doing this. This is not right, what we're doing here. Let's get it out there and, and let's deal with this. It is good. It hurts and it's hard to get through it because you know they're probably not going to say everything you think they need to say. But where are you with Jesus Christ? Are you willing to suffer that little bit so that you, brother or sister, can be uplifted, right? Now, as the world retaliates, because the world will tell you absolutely don't do that, don't submit to that, retaliate for all those wrongs that have been done against you, Right? And like I said, I'm totally guilty of that. And it was, it was made clear to me the other day for my daughter. Thank you, Ava. I don't know if she's in here still. But we were driving in my truck. We stopped at a stoplight. And I had no idea anything was going on in the car next to us. Well, I find out, I don't know, it had to be that night. She starts talking about this person flipping her off in the car next to us. And I'm like, what? When did this happen? And she's like, oh, it happened the other day when we were at that stoplight. I was okay. Which lane were they in? Trying to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> like, did, maybe I take them off because well, my driving's not perfect. But 
Maybe I made them mad and they decided to flip my daughter off or trying to do it to me. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this because it's on if it was against my, my daughter, right? So I figure out it's just this kid that's in the backseat, this teenage kid that decides just to flip my, my daughter off for no reason, okay? Oh, I told her, I was like, Ava, why didn't you tell me that happened? She's all, Dad, because you'd kill him. <laughs> I was like, yep, I would. <laughs> you called me out on that. <laughs> So stupid, though. It's kind of, you got to look at this. This is a person that's in the world. They have no other way they can do it. They're a slave to doing that. Right? A person in the world is completely different. A person in the world is a slave to do that. That's all they can do. It's just automatic. Their fingers are broken. Right? Next time in the car, don't get upset. If they do that to you, just be like, you know what? You're a slave to that. I'm so sorry for you. Have a good day. With all five fingers. Have a good day. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Just move on. But God's calling us to a place. And why does he want to do that with us? Because we're representing him, aren't we? It's no longer us that we're representing. See, my daughter knows how I'll act. She knows I'll represent myself and my family. We're not going to be brought anything against us, especially a finger. Right? (laughs) Dad, you'd kill him. (laughs) Just remember that for your boyfriends later on. Right? What do you call a boyfriend that brings your daughter home late? An ambulance. You're close. <laughs> Just saying. I got to remember when these guys come over, I'm going to be like, okay, Jesus, I know you love them. Just help them not to do anything wrong tonight. <laughs> or they're going to be seeing you pretty quick. <laughs> All right. Let's move on before I get in trouble and reveal too much about me. <laughs> As believers, we're called to let it go and not have conflict that just stays there and dwells and, and gets ugly. We should bring it out. We need to get it dealt with. And if you guys in here need help with that, ask other people to come alongside you, okay? Leaders in the church. Maybe a mediator that needs to be there for you. But let's get things resolved. Let's get over this stuff that's been hurting us for so many years, okay? Let's just be done with it. Let's move on so we can glorify God through that. Verse 10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to the, the, their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And I like what he starts out right here, because it's, it talks about a person, he says, Hey, you would who, who would love life. Now, do you guys love life? I mean, would somebody say that after they're done talking to you? <laughs> uh, you know, they're having some problems, and they definitely are not looking like they love life, because everything they just told me is just problem after problem after problem, negative, 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 and it just keeps sinking and going down. So as a person that loves life or they want to see good days, do you guys want to see good days? We have them, don't we? And he goes on, he says, okay, you know what? You want to love life, you want to see good days, refrain from speaking evil. Watch what comes out of your mouth. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's not getting on some flowery bus and taking off. That's like seeking peace with other people, maybe that you have conflict with, right? That's seeking peace with them. And you guys know the other scripture that says it's up to you. It's up to you on if you can make peace. There's a lot of things you guys can let go, and there's a lot of things you guys can get beat up over and still maintain that peace with somebody else. And it's also something that he says, hey, pursue it. Like, look, chase it, go after it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he hears and is open to their prayers. 
And that's so good that when we're in that place of the Lord, I mean, he's hearing what's going on, you guys. He knows when you're hurt by somebody else. And it's okay to go talk to him about that. It's not something that if you guys get hurt, keep it all inside and someday it'll come out, you know? It's not that deal. He is the one who wants to hear from you because he's the one that can actually deal with it, right? Not only can he deal with it, but he's going to deal with it in such a way that that person is going to be drawn closer to him, which is excellent. Because as they're drawn closer to him, that's where we start seeing change. And this can even happen within the marriages, right? We talked about that two weeks ago. And just watching that sometimes, you know, it's not our goal and our, our, our hands that should be pushing that person. We go to the Father, and he's the one that perfectly knows how to deal with the person, to see them grow closer. It's a good place to be when you put it in his hands. Now, as Christians, that's one of the things that we need to do. We need to decide that we love life. It's an act of our will that we do that. You know, it's a strong faith that pulls out the best in every situation, isn't it? It's a strong faith that pulls out the best in every situation. When you guys come up against something that's really hard, and you look at this and you're like, no, Lord, I love life because of what you've been doing. I have faith that what's going on here is going to be the perfect way that you have it set up if I just let you deal with it. I'll let you work it out and however it needs to be worked out in my life or in their life. You just give me the words or the actions, however I need to do it, I need to love them. Right? Like, I can't stand them, but you know what? You've called me to go over and clean their house just out of the blue. <laughs> do you know what that does to your enemy or a person that you think doesn't like you? Any actions like that, I'm not saying go clean everybody's house, but if you can find something you could do to serve that person, it completely just dissolves whatever conflict is there. Service is such an awesome thing that God uses. We go on and it says... And he who, is, who will harm you if he... Sorry, let me try that again. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats or nor of their, what's going on, none of the, nor of the trouble. And so as we look at it and we go through, we endure. We endure what's going on. How do we get through life? Well, there's kind of three different things, and I'm kind of taking this from Wearsby. I rewrote it a little bit, but this is where I got it, and I like what he put here. He says, or he didn't say, but we can just make it through life, which would cause life to be a burden, right? We could just make it through life. Like, basically, I'm just trying to get through this, and life becomes a burden, because every day, I'm just trying to get through the next day, right? Or we can run away from life, which makes it a threat. So I'm running from everything. I'm running from people hurting me. I'm running from being around people. I don't want to be, because that's just, it's a bad thing. I'm running from this. I don't like doing this. I'm running, and that's like life is chasing after you. It's just a threat to you. Is that any way to live? I like the last one. He says, you know what? Going back to that very first verse, in, in, or it's not the first verse, but verse 10. We can love life because of faith that God that says he's in control. We can live life in faith, right? We can love life. Because we know he's absolutely in control of it. So then when we come to a place like 13 and 14 where it says, you know, who can hurt you guys? And you guys know Matthew 10, 28. It says, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell, right? He's the one that has the ultimate. Suffer for righteousness sake. Suffer for righteousness sake. And this one's an important one. When it asks us to suffer for righteousness sake, do you guys know that religion does not suffer in this world? You're like, whoa, wait. (laughs) I know a lot of stuff. A religious person does not suffer in the way that a righteous person will suffer. Do you guys understand that? The world is all about religion, aren't they? 
I mean, they're teaching it in our schools now. And you guys are thinking, what? I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm talking about all the other religions. They're all good, guys. That's one of the biggest things convinced me that Jesus Christ is absolutely truth. Christianity is the way to go is because of such the persecution that Christianity brings against itself or that comes against Christianity. Because if you look at anything else, go talk to somebody. I, I, a great example is like two years ago, remember with the whole, maybe it was more than that. I'm not that much into football. It was probably more than that. So I think it was down, yeah, so four or five years ago, Tebow, right? So you make fun of somebody that's all of a sudden bowing down to the east and praying during a football time, right? You see some Islam guy out there doing that. You think anybody's going to come against that? Yeah, there might be a few people. You think the news is going to hit it? Absolutely not. They're going to be like, celebrate it. That's good. That's his thing. That's his own religion. You know, let's celebrate that because diversity is good. A Christian goes and kneels down and gives all the glory to God, and it's on. We want nothing to do with this guy. We don't want him in our league. Get him out of here. This is disgusting what he's doing. Can you believe he's bringing light to this darkness? <laughs> they wouldn't say that part. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you can look at. And that's what I mean when I say that when he says here that you are going to be persecuted, even, though, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, the righteous suffer, not the religious Okay, because Jesus Christ has made us righteous and he said that, you know what, they hate me and they're going to not like you. They're going to hate you as well because you're righteous. You're righteous through me. What a neat place to be. And so don't look at it as this whole religion thing. That's going to happen. The world's going to not you know, be okay sometimes with this other, but we maintain this righteousness and that's what he's asking us to. But even if you should suffer, Righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Again, talking about that blessing. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. And then it goes on and it says, don't be afraid because I want you to do this. 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What does that word sanctify again? Set apart, right? Set apart the Lord God in your hearts. And what that's talking about is not saying make a special place for God in your life. You know, some of us have done that. We put God in this special place and we'll bring him out in certain areas. (laughs) We'll bring him out in this certain situation. We'll talk about him on these certain days. What it's talking about is sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. It's saying sanctify God as Lord. Like set him apart and give him the throne that he rightfully deserves in your life as Lord and King of your life. That's what that's saying. Set aside. Give him that throne that he has purchased through his blood. You call him Savior, and you guys have heard me say this. It's an easy thing to call him Savior, but so hard to call him Lord, isn't it? Because that means he's ultimately going to rule your life. And that's what it's saying. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, they who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And so when we have these verses that come up, they're going to mock us. And it says right here that there's two different things that we're going to be doing. We're going to have a spoken testimony, and we're going to have a lived-out testimony, right? It's going to be a spoken testimony. That's why he says defend it. Give a reason for the hope. You guys know if you've gotten into apologetics at all. If you don't know what apologetics are, that's basically defending the faith. It's being aware of how to defend the faith. Some great sites. If you guys want to get into and understand like other religions, um, you want to understand how they compare with Christianity, you want to understand atheism as far as from a Christian point of view and see these different things, and they bring all these articles in, a great site you guys can go to is alwaysbeready.com. It's a great one to go to. Or CARM, CARM.org, is C-A-R-M. 
Christians Apologetics Research Ministry. And that's another great place to go. These ones have helped me out a lot in defending the faith and understanding stuff, especially when I was going to college and around a lot of college-age students because they had a lot of great arguments. And this really helped me to understand, okay, yeah, here's where the answers are. Neat guys that are running both those ministries. But let's look at the spoken testimony. So the spoken testimony is like Jude 3. Do you have that one up? Jude chapter, or Jude verse 3. Let your speech always be with grace season. Oh, that's, that's a Colossians one, isn't it? There you go. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. So it's a good thing to contend for. It's a good thing to give that hope. And then that second one that you had up there in Colossians 4, 6, it gives us a little bit of insight on how we need to do that. It might have a little bit of difficulties there. I'll just read it here. Jude, verse, or did I, no, Colossians, sorry. Colossians 4, 6. Is that the one? Uh, yeah, there it is, okay. So let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. See, we don't go in there, and I like how Charlie Campbell, he's the one that set up uh, Always Be Ready Ministries. He always says, don't go in there with a flamethrower. You know, you have the Jehovah's Witness, or you have a Mormon come to your door, and it's not, hey, you got all these arguments ready to go against them and blast them as soon as they hit. Like, no, we're different on this. <laughs> no, I don't believe that God is that way. I believe Jesus is this way. We believe in a different Jesus. What he really encourages is that he encourages exactly what uh, Colossians says there is to make sure that what you're talking to them, that you care for them. Remember, that's a soul that's been deceived, right? Heavily deceived. Most of them been raised in that, so they don't know anything different. And so you have tender-hearted towards them. You really care for them. And so the words that are coming out of your mouth are seasoned like salt, like it's something that's flavorful, like something that they want to have more of. Not blasted at the door and like, okay, X that house out. We're not going back to that one. That guy's a hater. But it's showing them the love of Christ. And so he tells us to do that spoken testimony, so it needs to be coming out of our mouth, declaring what's going on. then the next one is the lived testimony. You know, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile, you are a good con- uh, revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. And we see this in Matthew 5.16. Matthew 5.16. Here it is. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That they could see what you guys are doing. The other verse is Ephesians 5.1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Is that 1 and 2? Chapter 5, 1 and 2? There we go. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So we walk. We do this walk. We, we imitate Jesus Christ. And so as we walk through this life, and what he's asking us to do is that spoken word and that also that lived out. Even if we're going to get... Things, ha- or things are going to happen to us. So he says, don't be afraid, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Go and talk about this. Give a defense. And especially watch out what you're doing because they're watching you. And that way when they come up against you, guess who one that gets to be shamed? See, if you're in sin and they call you out, which there's been a lot of very good pastors, right? A lot of really neat people. Maybe you guys even experienced it firsthand that you looked up to such a person because it was like, wow, they know Jesus. They're falling so hard after him. And then all of a sudden you find out they have this sin that they haven't been able to knock. It's just been there all the time. They've been hiding it. 
And then it's like it, it, all the validity of everything that they've said and encouraged you is kind of out the window because, well, what happened? I mean, they were giving us the words of truth. Why didn't they believe in it? What's going on here? I know you guys more as mature Christians, we know that, hey, it's a person, they're going to fall. But there's a lot of people that didn't know Christ very long, and when that happens, it totally just takes the wind out of their sails, and it's sad because they fall away. It's a sad thing, so being careful what's going on in your own life because guaranteed people are watching what you're doing. They're looking at you. And so who is going to be shamed in the end? The ones that are making fun of you, or are you going to be shamed because of what's going on in your life? All right. Let's go ahead and read 18 through 22. Oh, I'm doing all right. I might make it. This is good. <laughs> all right. 18 through 22. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, and he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Therefore, is also an antitype which now saves us baptism, not the removal of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Now, if there's one of those scriptures or scripture, you know, a couple of scriptures that I didn't ever have to teach you. I'd probably pick these verses right here. Because these ones, <laughs> there's a lot of hard stuff here that it's like, whoa, what? What's going on here? I thought baptism wasn't for salvation, but it looks like it's supposed to be here. And then what is he talking about going to spirits in prison? Where, I, so anyways, I'm going to do the best I can with you guys in walking through this. There's a lot of stuff that's not in here, okay? A lot of stuff that Peter did not fully explain. Like, okay, the spirits, who were they? Now, I have my, my own, where I think it goes, and taking other scriptures alongside of it and thinking what it represents here. But then also, what did he preach to them? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. And so a lot of this is, is, is really hard to get into, and I think that it would be a wrong thing to do to get so dogmatic in some of these verses here and draw a conclusion from them and say this is the only way because there isn't that much information given. So I'm going to do my best in walking through with you guys on the scriptures that I've gone over and researched and some of the commentaries I've looked at to give you guys the best, what I feel the best view is on these scriptures that's not super confusing. And hopefully I don't confuse you guys. We'll see. I'll ask my wife afterwards. <laughs> was that confusing? She'll be like, yeah. I wasn't even following you. What are you talking about? So Christ, let's, get, let's start with him. Right there, the first, Christ also suffered once for sins. Now, one of the things is that we have to understand that Christ suffered once, didn't he? Once, and that's a big deal. Because there's some religions out there that would say that Christ suffers every single time you come together. Every time we do the Eucharist or, or do communion, Christ is suffering again because his body is being given again, his blood is being poured out. Okay? That he's suffering once again. That's not what the scriptures say. Not only here in this scripture, but if you guys want to write down another one, Hebrews 9, 24 through 28. And I have other ones too if you guys want to talk about it later. But it is very clear in the scriptures that Christ did it once, and it was for all. It was completed. The work was completed. That's why he, on the cross he says, you know what? It's finished. It's finished. What God had said in order is finished. And then he might bring us to God. Okay? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And I like how it says this, and when you guys go and look at what it means to bring us to God, it's as if we've been summoned to God, and Jesus Christ on his behalf is bringing us to the courtyard before the Almighty. That's what it is to bring us to God. 
What a cool thing that we get to go before the Almighty with Jesus' blood. And now we come before God freely and boldly, like Hebrews 10.19 says. Freely and boldly we get to come before the throne. And it says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Awesome that we get to go in there and enter before him. And now we have his grace, don't we? We have his grace on us. Look over in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, just as though one man sin entered the world, I don't know if this is the right one, is it? I'm going to have to read it out here just to make sure. Romans 5, I put a comma in that. That's probably why it's 12, right? (laughs) Sorry about that, Brandon. So Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into, his, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What an awesome thing that we get to walk in that because of what Jesus has done for us. And this is helping those, those believers and also should help us as we walk through our life. And what he's encouraging is what our mind should be stead on, like what we should be focused on. And so as he talks about that and goes through it and saying that as he suffered once and for sins and just for the unjust, that he also bring us to the Lord or to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Now he goes on, and this is where it gets a little hard, and, and it says, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Okay, this is where this is why it gets hard, because in the scriptures, um, where I see the scriptures lead is is that there's that three days in between, right? The death and the resurrection. And I think it's clear in the scriptures it talks about him going to preach to those and lead the captives captive, right? Basically freeing the captives is what it's talking about there. And I'll go through the scriptures in just a second. But during those three days, um, going and basically, I don't know how to describe it in a quick sense to you guys. I'll try real quick though. So there's a, you guys remember the parable where Jesus talks about it? It's over in Luke 16, 22, if you guys want to write these down, where he dealt with Abraham's bosom. So you have Sheol, or it's, Sheol was the Hebrew name for it, or you had Hades, which was the Greek name for it. Okay, it's not hell. Hell is the eternal. That's, like, that's after that. What was going on and what he talks about in this parable, and I know some people believe it's just a parable, so it's not a real deal, but it's the only parable where he actually used people's names. He actually used a real location. It's different than the other parables, if you want to go and research it. But what it's talking about in Abraham's bosom or in Sheol is like this, this place that is this, this place of suffering. So this rich man goes there, he's suffering. Then it has another guy, the, the, the poor guy, Lazarus, that's sitting in the other place. And so the rich man's asking, you know, can I get a drink? And, and there's this whole discussion, this whole thing that Jesus talks through, okay? So we see there's a, basically it's like a holding tank. Because you have to remember that Jesus Christ's blood had not been poured out. Everybody before Jesus Christ was looking forward to the salvation that was going to come through Jesus Christ, right? That's why they gave the sacrifices. Out of obedience and faith, they were looking forward to what was to come, that God was going to provide himself a lamb. So they weren't cleansed yet. So they couldn't be with the Almighty God because sin can't be with him or else he's not set apart. He's not holy anymore, right? <clears throat> so there's this place in what Jesus talks about. Now, when Jesus goes down and he talks about it in uh, Acts 2, 31, says that Jesus was not left in Hades, which means that he was there, okay? says he wasn't left in Hades. That's that same verse that says, and his body did not see corruption. 
because, of course, he's raised from the dead. His body was raised. And then uh, in Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, it talks about that, where he led captivity captive, and he descended. It says also, if he ascended, he also descended. You guys know that part of Scripture. So it talks about him going down there. And then in 1 Peter 4, 6, we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Over there in that next chapter, it says, For this reason the gospel was preached to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to the God in the Spirit. Now that one, uh, that verse can go either way. That can be used in talking about the people that were alive and they had the gospel preached to them, and then they died. Um, or it could be used in the sentence, uh, is talking about I'm going to preaching. Now, I walked through all that with you guys, and if you guys are completely confused, <laughs> come and see me afterwards. I can definitely lay it out a lot better than I can right now for you. But what I want to get to is right here, I don't believe that this is the same thing in verse 19 because he says, by whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Because Sheol was not looked at as a prison for the righteous. Okay, that's my first one. The other thing is that Peter uses the word spirits. And human beings were never referred to as spirits. And especially by Peter because we even look at verse 20. And you know, it says, wait in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which the few, this is, eight souls. Usually a human being is referred to as a soul. Okay? So looking at the spirit in prison, so what then happened here? Well, there's other scriptures that talk about um, Jesus going and, and announcing or, or declaring to the demons and what's happened. Okay? And the reference to this is it's talking about formerly in the days when it was, uh, you know, in verse 20, who formerly were disobedient when the... When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. We know in the days of Noah, it was absolutely horrendous. It was horrible what was going on, right? You guys can go back and check out in Genesis 6. And it talks about just things being mixed up. Angels are coming and doing stuff they weren't supposed to. It was a bad place. And that's where a lot of us believe that those angels are put in the abyss, right? They're locked up until later on in the end times are going to be brought back out again. There's a lot, that's a whole other deal to get into. That's why these verses are so hard because there's so much background to them. Um... So when he goes and talks to the spirits, it's not that he's given them a gospel message because we know that the angels or demons cannot receive salvation through Jesus Christ. And you wonder why, which I always did. The reason is because they beheld the glory of the Almighty, didn't they? They beheld him. They saw him. They were with him. They served him. They knew what it was to be there. They knew exactly what they were giving up. And his mercy and his compassion for us and his grace, we haven't ever seen that, have we? And that's why he's given us a son and it's even a mystery to the angels still and while he's working through our lives and what he's doing with us, isn't it? It's an awesome thing. So what we look at this and we see, and what I conclude from this, is that he's going down there and he's, he's talking to them about the victory that he has over all of the angels, authorities, and powers. That's what's going on. He's going to declare that he has absolute power and authority over them. Because you know what? Before... Only the heavenly angels were subject to God, weren't they? Were the demons subject? Now, this is a little touchy here. Were the demons subject to him? Well, he was all-powerful. He still ruled. His sovereignty, they still had to ask for things. We see that in Job, that Satan had to go and ask for permission. But were they subject? And I ask you this because why would verse 22 exist where it says, Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him? Having been made subject. So now it is, which means it wasn't. So this is where it gets so neat. And this is where I want to get to you guys. If you're so confused, at least take this from it. Our loving Savior has absolutely conquered all. Right? We don't fight for victory, do we? We fight from victory. That's the purpose. That's what Peter's doing here. 
So don't get off on all these doctrinal things, what was going on with the spirits, who's getting you know, preached to or whatever. The point is that Peter is still here trying to encourage and encouraging the saints, us, keep going forward because it's been done. You guys know that every single power, authority, angel is under his subject now. It's all about him. He's the absolute ruler. And if he's for you, who can be against you? See how powerful that is? Like, that's beyond what we know, guys. That's beyond what we see with our own eyes. He's already made that subject to himself. So what do we need to worry? So that gives us boldness to keep going. As we go through trials, that gives us that hope and that just that, wow, I get to look forward to this. I have victory in Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. So, chapter four. Oh, man. We'll see. This is going to be crazy. So, you see, I'm going to have to skip some of that. All right. Let me just make sure as I go through this. We formerly were disobedient. Okay, in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There's also an anti-type. Yes, I don't want to skip this. So we need to go through this. So, it says, there's also an anti-type, sorry, which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of flat, filth, or of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, face value, this kind of looks like it's saying that, oh, you, got, you can have Jesus, but you also need to have baptism so you can get salvation. And this is a scripture that's used very heavily amongst people that believe that it's Jesus Christ plus salvation, or Jesus Christ plus baptism. Now, that's not what it's saying here. And this is not one of those ones that I think is my opinion. There's, uh, there's too many scriptures that support that this is not the case here. Um, we could go through, if you guys want to write some of them down just to know them. You know, if, if baptism saves, absolutely not. By grace through faith, Romans 3, 22 through 30. Romans 4, verse 5. Galatians 2, 16. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Philippians 3, 9. Uh, you can keep going. You guys know there's a lot of scriptures. <coughs> and if baptism was such a main point and had to be with it, isn't that kind of wrong of God not to say that in all those other scriptures? That you've got to have this as well? I mean, I hope he would say that because my salvation is dependent upon it. I want to make sure I got everything in there, everything accounted for. But it's by grace, it's not about us. So I think one of the best examples, and this is really what's convinced me as I go through these scriptures, because this was a really hard one for me when I was studying through it, not this time, but before in my life. And the biggest one that helped me out was over in uh, Acts chapter 10. I think this is one of the biggest arguments for, you know what, salvation does not come by baptism. Over in Acts chapter 10, if you guys want to turn over there with me. In verse 44, now what's happening here is that the Spirit falls on the Gentiles. This is one of the first times that they get to see the Gentiles receive Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit through them. And they're blown away. They're like, wow, this is for the Gentiles as well. This is great. So while, in verse 44 of chapter 10 in Acts, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, you guys have to remember who wrote this Peter, right? Peter's involved in the situation. So I would, I would argue that what he's saying here is not saying salvation comes by baptism because he was there as an eyewitness to this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as well. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should be not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. 
Guys, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have been poured out on them if they didn't have Jesus Christ and the cleansing because the Holy Spirit comes in us because we are the temple of the Most High, right? How did that happen? It's cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. You guys know when they go and set up the new temple that they have to take the blood of a red heifer and everything has to go through that blood before they can use any of it? That's like the Old Testament. That's what they used to have to do. The cleansing of all the different things used in the temple and the temple itself had to go through a cleansing, this blood cleansing. We have to go through the same thing with Jesus Christ. When he pours out his blood on us, we go through this cleansing, and now the Holy Spirit can live and dwell in us. Okay? So when you have this scripture here that says that the Holy Spirit came on them, that would not have happened unless Jesus Christ already saved them. And that's why that's a huge argument right there of, wait, baptism happened after? And Peter was the one that did all this? So why in the world would he come here and write something like this? What he's talking about with the believers there is he's taking them back to the time of Noah because the time that they were in was a lot like Noah. There's bad things happening. The Romans were not being very good to them. The Jews were not being very good to them. His persecution all around them, just like Noah, 120 years, right, of preaching the gospel, saying righteousness, 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 and they wouldn't believe him, and only eight people got on that boat, right? So it's an encouragement to them, and he wants to show them that you know what? There's also an anti-type. An anti-type is a picture of something. An anti-type is something that's represented by a symbol, okay? So he's using this as a symbol, and he even says right there, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. And if you guys take even that out, it's okay. If we took the little parentheses out of there, it says there is also an anti-type which now saves us, baptism through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6, guys. Romans 6 Verses 3 through 6. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism and death, that just as Christ was raised from the, uh, from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Is that what I had through six? Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That's what it's talking about. That's a great verse talking about baptism. It's the likeness. It's a symbol of what's going on. It's a very serious thing. And if you guys haven't been baptized before by water, I encourage you guys to do it. Jesus did it. It was an example for us to follow. Your salvation is not dependent upon it, but it's a awesome thing to represent what Jesus Christ has done in your life. At 20 years old, I got in front of a church, and I said, you know, as I go into this water, it's done. Curtis is not living anymore. My own flesh, what I want to do, it's gone. And as I come up out of this water, I have a new life, and it's all about him, and my life is absolutely his. He owns me now. It was a huge change in my life. And I love that we have this thing that he gives us that we can declare to our brothers and sisters and have them help us keep us accountable that, you know what? This is what happened inside. I don't want to show you what happened. I want you guys to testify to what's gone on, what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And so that's what he says. And guys, I just want to say this, and if the worship team wants to come back up, that water, and I would never, ever claim this in my life, water is not what saved me. It's by his blood. Jesus' blood is what has saved me. I would never give that to water. And that's what he says. It's not something that's cleansing you guys. It's something that we do, and that's one of those things that we walk in. Now, it looks like I'm not going to get into chapter 4, but that's okay. It was a long, it was a long push. There's just too many things here, and, and I don't want to rush over things that the Lord wants to teach us. So 
As we look back over this, guys, I hope that you guys find blessing in your life. And he's laid it out pretty clear to you. If you guys need to go back through that during the week, go back through it, okay? Look at these things that he's asking you to do and what it is to be with him. Be encouraged as well. Watch out what you're doing with other believers and what you're going through with them. And just to look at, guys, that we have this power that comes through Jesus Christ and praise God for his victory. That's what his point was there. How exciting it is that everything's been put under his feet. He has supreme authority over all of it. And what does this mean for your life? So as we take these next two songs, guys, come on up and pray with our leaders and and just talk about what's going on. If the Lord's got something he needs to go through with you on this, go through with one of our leaders, guys. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to be there for you. And uh, just ask for either healing in your life or, or things that need to change in your life or somebody else's life that you guys would like us to pray for. And we just ask that you would do that. We want to go ahead and dim the lights, and we'll go ahead and...